Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Hello there, my guest today is a musician, songwriter, singing coach and business consultant to voice teachers known as The Voicepreneur, the title of her very own podcast. Ali Tyler, The Voicepreneur, it's very lovely to meet you and be with you today. How are you? Oh, I'm so excited to be here. It's lovely to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I have been scrolling your Instagram with seething envy actually Ali because you live with within the Colorado mountains don't you basically they're right in your backyard yes I mean it certainly beats my view of my neighbor's six foot fence and the overgrowing shrubs so (laughs) I'm very jealous it must be so good for the mind being there in those mountains oh my gosh well I came from California which is also its own beauty but I don't know the moment we moved here, which was about five years ago, like, yeah, it was like my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual, everything about my whole life changed out here. It really is such an incredible environment. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm so jealous. And have you had any kind of mystical mountain beasts arrive at your door? (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, what was it? Two months ago, we didn't see the bear, but the bear went through our trash. (laughs) And like left a trail up our driveway. We've had lots of, there's like a family of mule deer that live here. And even like, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at my window and we have like usually a ton of deer that just come up and eat. Like they'll be, I mean, I'm sitting like what, two, three feet from like a giant, <laughs> you know, animal, like many of them. So yeah, we've got a lot of animals here um, and we do have mountain lions, but thankfully haven't seen them. And usually if you have, that's probably not a good sign, but they are lurking in our, in our, our neck of the woods out here as well. <laughs> oh no, it is, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, can you share a little bit about your story in terms of how you became a musician and then how that's led you to becoming a business consultant for voice teachers? Yeah, it is such a funny, you know, it's so weird. Like when I tell people that this is what I do for a living, it's like, yeah, oh yeah. I, you know, I'm a marketing coach for voice teachers and it's like, what the heck? It's so randomly niche, but it kind of makes sense with the story. I mean, ultimately how it really got started with my parents, my, both of my parents are musicians and they are both private music teachers. So that was something I was very acclimated to growing up. It was my mom um, teaching piano and we would have I don't know, 30, 40 piano students coming over every week while I would babysit my brother in the basement. And I would just hear the piano and them teaching and my dad teaching trombone. They ran their own businesses that way. And that's kind of actually how that seed was planted. You know, when I first started my music teaching business, I was about gosh, I probably want to say like 19 or 20. I worked for that typical music strip mall type thing. I think a lot of voice teachers do that. No shame in that. We got to get our students somehow. We got to get started somehow. And that's what I did. But I had this, um, like I said, like this kind of natural inkling around business with my parents, specifically around how to deal with parent clients, which are its own thing, right? Like there are, you know, business practices and running a brick and mortar and all of the challenges that go with that. But then being a private music teacher and having that sort of relationship with families and with parents and how do you charge them and how do you create sustainability and how do you incentivize children and 
all of that type of stuff is very niche, I feel, to music teaching. And then, of course, with what I was doing, which was voice, it ended up being voice teaching because I was um, simultaneously studying vocal arts and doing the performing type stuff. Um, So, yeah, that kind of was already there. And I kind of was... (laughs) it's so funny thinking back, like being 19 and getting a job at a music teaching company and then being like, we're going to pay you $22 an hour. And you're like, oh man, like that is such a big deal at that time. And then you teach for a little bit. I never got a raise. I worked for them for four years. I never got a raise. I was working, you know, three to nine, like teaching the everybody's, the nobody's, the all of the buddies. And it was exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, huh, there are people who are charging more just to do it themselves. I already know my parents did that. When is that moment where I'm going to do the same? So that was, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of musicians don't think about business, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had that similar feeling of like, oh, how do you do the marketing? How do you do the business? All of that stuff. And I'm the same exact way. (laughs) I don't love business either, which is hysterical. I hate numbers. I'm terrible at math, but the mindset around it for me was I want to do this myself. I don't want to work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's really that entrepreneurial spirit that you need to run a business. It's like, you can figure out everything else. All of that stuff is figure outable, but having the spirit of come what may, I'm going to do it myself is what really, what it takes to really run a business. Right. And that was already ingrained in me. And I think a lot of voice teachers can relate to that because there is that feeling of like, I know what I'm doing. Why am I getting charged or paid, you know, $22 an hour and they're getting a 40% cut or, you know, whatever it is. So anyway, you know, long story short, that kind of led me to branch off, do my own thing. But really what set it off for me in terms of like the online marketing world, because this is a whole different world that we're living in than what my parents did. And then even what our teachers did, like this particular time with social media and living this quote unquote laptop lifestyle is so unique. And I saw it in around probably 2015, 2016 this sort of buzz around Instagram and, you know, like the power of branding. I was just starting to get a glimpse into like, huh, this is like, people are like making money this way. They're like doing this whole thing of being an influence. I don't even know what an influence, like I didn't know what any of that stuff was, but I was really intrigued. I don't know if you've read the book by Elizabeth Gilbert and she, what is it called? Big magic. (laughs) No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. You have to read it. It's so good. It One of the big things she talks about is following your curiosities, not your passions. And I was really curious at that time. This was like, right when I finished grad school, I was doing my own teaching and I got really curious about, wow, people are really making a living off of making digital courses and using Instagram as marketing. Like that's fascinating, right? How can I integrate this into my own teaching business. So when we moved to Colorado, I started over like ground up, like we had no friends, no home. We lived out of our van. We literally had nothing. And that was a very fun time for me to experiment with marketing and online business. And 
you know, getting clear with my niche and my branding and who I am as a teacher and who I want to attract and the students that I was attracting and the students I didn't want to attract and how to set boundaries. Oh my gosh, there's just so much, right? When it comes to really building a sustainable business that brings you joy, because that's really what it's all about is for it to support your ideal life and for you to love it. And so anyway, that's how I got to kind of how I am <laughs> today. It's quite of a long winded story, but through that, I was side hustling. I was helping voice teachers along the side. If you can imagine my life, you know, you know, a lot of teachers, we do like performing on one side, teaching on the other. And it's kind of this um, teeter-totter sort thing, a seesaw. Mine ended up being performing and then also coaching teachers and teaching students. You know, it was like a three-pronged thing. And after COVID happened, the basically the scale went way tipping over with voice teachers desperately wanting to learn how to get themselves online, how to do branding, marketing. And now the voicepreneur is here. So that's kind of how it emerged. Um, the voicepreneur has been around for almost two years and um, it's taken a few different iterations and names, but now I have officially full-time dedicated my life to <laughs> working with voice teachers and taking a break from voice teaching, which is very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> And you mentioned there about how you needed to get to know who you were as a teacher. And you've mentioned it in your podcast as well, that that is one of the considerations to make to start growing your business online. Yes. And in a world where as voice teachers, we are the marketer, the content creator, the student, the educator, we're also potentially parents and uh, spouses <laughs> and people with other interests who are trying to figure out who they even are in the world, let alone as a singing teacher. Like, where do you start to figure out your niche and your way as a teacher? Yeah, well, I will say that this is a process. This is the process. <laughs> it is the most challenging, rewarding process. And it takes time. So the couple of things that really helps and helped me, especially when I was creating my method, so to speak. And some people may feel completely intimidated by that. Others like me may be like, oh my God, that sounds exciting. Let's create something new. It totally depends, right, on your personality type. But I do feel like everyone can start in this one place. You're going to get a notebook. And inside of that notebook, all you're going to do is take notes after every lesson. And all you're like really taking notes on is what worked and what didn't work. And that's really it. There's something about journaling right after you teach. And this can be, you know, depending on your students, it could be right after the day of teaching or it could be right after the week of teaching, however you want to do it. But there's something so incredibly illuminating from that process of being like, what did happen in the studio? Because we're so in our flow. You know, you're a voice teacher for a reason. You love the voice. You love teaching. You love seeing your students experience those aha moments. And you love it when your students teach you things. Because we all learn so much as teachers, right? That is, that's like, to me, I felt like I learned way more about the voice when I became a teacher than when I was a singer. So there is so much to be learned about <laughs> when we are journaling that process. So that's the first thing is that is incredibly illuminating. Literally, you could just draw a line down the paper right on one side. What worked? What didn't work? Write the student on one side and just, oh yeah, that exercise, that worked really well. That one, oh, I don't know if they really like got that one or, you know, whatever it is. That, that note on the high part of the song, 
yada, yada. Then another component to this, kind of like what you're talking about, where we wear a lot of different hats, right? We are the marketer. We are the teacher. The thing that I always say about business is that business is a spiritual practice, really is, because it is going to test you not only in your integrity and your discipline and all of that stuff, but it really is a mirror for who you are if you're willing to look in it. And it's fun. It's like not supposed to be, you know, this shadow work deep, you know, I mean, yes, it can be, but it's really fun when you have an opportunity to ask yourself hard questions like, what do I value in the studio? What kind of students do I really want to attract in? What do I really want to say? What is the mission that I have? What is the message that I want to get across? And all of us have a different purpose, right? I'm not one of those people that's like, follow your purpose. Like I said, the biggest advice that I followed was follow your curiosities. That to me is way more powerful than trying to find a purpose. But at the same time, everybody has a really unique way of teaching and a really unique way of being there for our students you know, and that's what's so beautiful about being a voice teacher is it is one of the most intimate things, the most intimate environments that you can give to a student. And for you to be that person and hold that space, that is special. So everyone has something special to give. Everyone delivers a lot of the same stuff, exercises, SOVTs, blah, blah, blah. We can talk all the live long day about it, but we all deliver it in a very unique and special way. And I really think a big part of that is our values. Mm -hmm. So the other component to that would be your values. And when I'm talking about values, I am thinking about voice and teaching and the studio. Um, So values, for example, confidence, surrender, flow, trust, right? Those types of things. What is a really great kind of inner assignment is to be thinking about and being observant in your studio. What do I most value? What do I want my students to really experience? Because that's really what values are. They're feelings we want our student to experience. So then once you have a couple of those values, let's say you come up with three values. Let's say one of them is confidence because that's a big one. You're like, I believe in confidence. I want people to feel authentic and confident and get up there and just freaking do their thing, right? And you want to be the teacher to help them do that. So then the next question you're going to ask yourself is how, how, how do I help them feel confident? Like literally, (laughs) like you're going to actually write down exercises, mindset prompts. Maybe you had them do a specific warm-up. Maybe you had them um, approach their mix in a different way that made them feel really good. There's so many ways that we help people feel confident. And now we get to be an investigator on how we actually did that because we did. So that's kind of the fun thing is what I like to do with voicepreneurs and I call them voicepreneurs. They're people that are in the program, but voice teachers, so to speak, is we write out our values and then we literally just kind of like put a little arrow and we write down all the ways that we help them feel that. How, 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 like I said, this is a process. And I mean, ultimately what we want to be doing during this time is just being hyper observant, hyper observant of what goes on in the studio, hyper observant of what your students are asking you, the questions they're asking you, the things that they say worked. I one time had a student leave a voice lesson and I'm not kidding. She said, I always feel so empowered when I leave Allie. And I was like, 
Oh my God, that is the best compliment ever. Also, I'm going to steal that as a value. Also, I'm going to steal that as a tagline. Feel empowered after every voice lesson. You know, like there's so much that happens in our studio. So this is the time where we are really being hyper-observant and being aware, journaling, just kind of processing, remembering that this is a spiritual practice and this is fun and illuminating and it's going to help so, so, so much with your business. Mm. How does that then dictate probably not the nicest word, um, how you build your brand? Oh, well, everything I feel, because to me, branding is you in your most, like, you know how voice teachers are all like, we want to help you find your authentic voice, share yourself, express your most authentic voice. I'm over here being like, voice teachers, express your most authentic brand voice. Like, it's the same thing. It's just in words and visuals. That's it. The one thing though, that I think is like the plug that makes branding particularly specific, um, or I should say specifically, hmm, I'm going to choose my word carefully here, complex (laughs) for voice teachers is that we have this thing that we do that's called teaching and it's a specific uh, style and we are helping people get specific results and therefore we need to have a process that helps them get there. And that I feel is the most, um, like I said, complex. It's just the most time consuming to really ask yourself, what is the process? What is the method? What is the result that I help my students get? That's a huge part of branding as well. And again, that's kind of part of that inner work, but your brand is essentially those three things. It's like your mission and your messaging, your method, and then the visual component, how the words look on the page, how the pictures look, how you are helping people feel when they are interacting with you online. Mm. And what goes into creating that brand when you talk about those three elements? What is it that we need to get across and in, and how do we do that? I think the biggest thing to get across And this is a big one. (laughs) This is a big one. I like calling people out. If you know me, I'm like all about real truth. I'm just going to be real right now. I'm being real. There are so many voice teachers that think that our voice teaching business is about us. And our website should talk about all the things we did (laughs) and all of the roles we had and all the schools we went to and all the training we've done. That is the biggest mistake that you can make with your branding. It is the biggest mistake you can make with your branding because we are a business. Now you can do all that when you're a performer. And this is why that transition is hard for people. Because when you have a performer website, heck yeah, you want to put your bio on there and your pictures and your media and all that good stuff. You are a museum. But when you are a business, you are not a museum. You are a store. You are a storefront. And we have to treat it differently. And when I say it, I'm talking specifically about like, I'm thinking about a website is a big one. But I see it on Instagram and TikTok too. A lot of the focus is on us and what we do and what we teach. And another kind of, mm, I'm just going to, I don't know how there's a segue to this, but I feel like a part of this is getting a little bit tippy. In other words, saying a bunch of knowledge, all the things that we know as voice teachers, you know, try this exercise and this SOVT and this straw thing and this and this. And again, like it's coming from a wonderful place. I'm not trying to call people out if they're listening and they're like, oh my God, she's at me right now. I don't mean it in from like a negative perspective. It's more of a moment of recognition. Like, hmm, 
how many times am I using the word I on my website? And how many times in my Instagram posts am I talking about my life? And am, am I actually tying it back to my ideal student and their desires, their wants, their needs, their problems. So it is a spotlight shift. We have to go from what we teach and what we believe about, basically everything we just talked about, right? Our values and who we are as a teacher and all that stuff is so important. But the way that we translate it is we actually highlight the people that we're trying to help. Mm-hmm. So um, there's like this really great uh, marketer. His name's Don- Donald Miller. And what he talks about, I think it's wonderful. He talks about story branding. And you can think about it very easily in that every story has a hero. And then it has like this sidekick guide. And the guide is like the teacher that like kind of helps the hero do the thing that the hero wants to do, right? We can think of this in so many films. There's always that teacher, that guide person. That is us. That is the voice teacher, The students, they are the hero. And that's a big shift for our marketing in that we want to make everything about helping them. So if we do say, let's say, use our stories, right? And we are talking about us. And maybe I talk about, you know, I did this a lot with my brand, The Whole Voice. I was saying a lot about how I went through this epic vocal injury for six months. I lost my voice. It was horrible. And it was during my grad program, life-changing for me as a singer. I can use that story, heck yeah, if I'm relating it back to my student and how I can help them. Mm. Do you feel like you lost your voice? Do you feel like you want to reconnect with your inner voice? I know exactly what that feels like. I went through the same thing. This is what I went through. This is how I got through it. And now I can help you do the same. That's a totally different shift, right? You hear the difference. So That is a huge part that I think a lot of voice teachers can just like, it's such an easy fix too. You literally can just go on your Instagram or your website or wherever you are posting and just kind of take a look and be like, where is this? Where is the focus? Where is the spotlight? Is the spotlight on me or is it on them? Because really needs to be about them and what they're, you know, wanting. And like I said, wanting and struggling with. If you know those two things, then you are golden. Mm. And we've spoken a a little bit about intention on this podcast in in varying different uh, ways and genres of how how we use intention. And I guess that's the same in terms of posting content. I know that I get this. I look at my little plan or my page and I'm like, oh, I haven't posted today. I need to post because my intention is to be visible or whatever it is, pretending like I know what I'm doing on there (laughs) a lot of the time. (laughs) So my intention is to post because then I've I've done my tick box for the day or whatever. So my intention isn't with the client necessarily. Mm -hmm. How do we find out what people want or need from us so that we can speak to them through such, I guess, strange channels such as Instagram, because there's so many algorithms and whatnot to contend with? Yes. Great question. And especially, you know, I do feel like this component, like you said, is changing a lot. I'll be very curious, you know, how it continues to change, but I would love to challenge you, Alexa. (laughs) I'm up for it. I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to challenge everybody. I think that, um, you know, it's great to post consistently and to have that visibility. Heck yes. But I wonder if we could either engage just as much, if not more. That to me is how you get the conversation started. Posting is... (laughs) 
quite honestly, it's kind of like a podcast episode. We are going to put this episode out and we don't really know who's going to listen to it. And I know because I have podcasts too. And I'm like, I can see the numbers, but it's very one-sided in terms of we don't have that interaction going on with our audience. Mm -hmm. When you are engaging with them on, let's say Instagram, now we've made it two-sided. Now you've had a conversation with them. In my book, personally, I actually find that, and especially with the algorithm changes, posting every day isn't as relevant anymore as it was, let's say, a couple years ago. And here's why. Instagram is trying to be YouTube. They're trying to be a search platform, right? They're putting on suggested things onto our profile. So much so that you could actually, and you've probably seen this, you can see the same accounts coming up, especially on Reels, that you're not following, but Mm. that you're watching. And that's huge. That means people can follow you without actually following you. (laughs) That means people can see posts that you posted four days ago coming up again. So we're treating things differently in terms of posting every day, this belief that I got to show up consistently and post every day. I actually challenge everybody to switch this belief to, I got to engage every day. I got to engage every day. Because when you get in people's stories and you get in their DMs, now you can start doing research. Now you can start having conversations with them. And this is like, man, you can get crazy with how creative you want to do that, right? You can get onto a Zoom call like I'm doing. I used to do this all the time. Don't be afraid of Zoom calls. I still do it. Hey, want to do a 15-minute chat? Let's do a 15-minute chat. When you're in research mode, all you're going to do is say, is it okay if I hit record? It's just for my own purposes. It's just so I can like gather information and get a pulse mm-hmm. on what's happening. So I can give you the best, you know, content and information as possible. And they're like, yeah, sure, I don't care. And then you hit record and you listen back and you are listening to their language. You're asking them, you know, questions like, and this is on zoom. This is, this is, you know, in DM, this is email. This is anywhere you want. This is literally like do this process as much as you can, but you actually do want to talk to them. And you actually do want to ask them questions Mm -hmm. and ask them things like, what are you struggling with? Um, And the thing about it too, is I'm going to say all these questions and people are going to get very template-y on me and take this exact language and try and put it. That's not what this is about. This is about conversation. This is not an interview. This is a conversation. So when you ask these questions, really, you know, ask them naturally and, you know, be thinking about it, but it's basically just like, what are you struggling with? Are there um, specific stories that have happened in, in in the past that have caused you to feel this struggle, right? Like the, the standard one I hear a lot was, well, in third grade, my choir told me that I can't sing and, you know, something like that. So those are stories, right? Those are stories. Stories create limiting beliefs. We're trying to get at what are their beliefs? What are their limiting beliefs? And then, of course, what do they want? If you could do anything with your voice, what would it be? What are your favorite styles to sing that you wish you could get better at? Who's your favorite artist that you, you, like, whatever. You can get, again, creative with all this stuff. But what we're trying to dig at here is what they ultimately want and what they're most frustrated by. Those are the two biggest things that we want. So DMs, oh my gosh, amazing way that you can engage with people that you do not need to be posting every day. A really easy way to get into people's DMs is to just simply reply to one of their stories. Mm -hmm. I know people ask me, they're like, I'm so scared of like cold DMing people. You don't have to cold DM them, like follow their stories, like get to know them a little bit, send them a reply from something they did, start the conversation there, and then you can keep going. Um, You may invite them onto a Zoom call. You may just send them like an audio text that's just kind of chatting with them. I do that all the time with people, sending them audio things. Feels so personal. People love it when they're like, wow, 
she really cares about me. She's like talking to me, you know, like that's makes you memorable. Now they're probably more likely to work with you. That to me is where all the power is at is engaging. That's way, way more powerful. Um, and especially with that investigative work, like we're talking about with the research. So is it worth us kind of not worrying so much about how many followers we actually have click, but look at when you have a look at your insights on Instagram, just see how many people are actually engaging with your posts or scrolling your carousels or whatever. You got it. That's right. Follower count don't matter at all. Literally at all. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. And when we think that we know who we are as a teacher and we're creating this content, what do we need to kind of keep in mind in terms of trends? I, I know that it's about engagement. So how do we get to them with the most popular thing at the time? Mm-hmm. So we've gone through reels um, and carousels, and I'm just kind of going on Instagram at the moment, but what yeah. what do we need to consider there? I think the biggest thing, well, there's a couple of things, and I'm really glad we're talking about this. This is something I'm like feeling more and more passionate about the more I understand this Instagram <laughs> crazy online world we live in. But I think really the first thing, the most important thing is, do you know what the heck you're selling? Because if you don't, what the heck is the point? You know, (laughs) like we need to know what we're selling. If, and I say this because a lot of voice teachers are like, well, I'm selling private lessons, but I have a wait list and I'm full and I don't really want more students. You're like, well, then why are you selling? (laughs) Don't sell. If you have something else to sell, warm up tracks, right? A masterclass you're doing, a workshop. You can go nuts with that. And that's a whole other podcast conversation, but you need to know what you're selling. So that's the first thing. You need to make sure that you have your paid offer all ready to go because that helps determine all of your intentions there out. The thing with Instagram, if we are talking about Instagram, and I do find that Instagram is like right now as we're recording this in September of 2022, it is like the most relevant app in terms of so many people are on it and the features that it has no other platform quite has yet. Mm-hmm. So Instagram is interesting because we have trends. We have this, I like to think of audio um, trending audio as like the wild card in a game, you know, how you get like the wild chip or the wild card or whatever. And you're like, Ooh, I can do whatever I want with this one. I'm going to wait. Right. That's how to me trending audio is. It's like, yeah, it can totally make you go viral. I've seen every time I use it, I'm like, Jesus bananas. There are so many people that are liking this that are randos, but is that what you want? Mm. Is that the intention? Right. I actually had a voice teacher client who came to me and said, I went so viral. This, this video had over a million views and I got like 10,000 subscribers in one day and they're all in like Dubai and India and they don't speak. And they're like, I don't know they're not my ideal people. And she's like, now my numbers are all off. I can't read my analytics because everything is so skewed. And like, she had to take the video down. You know, she just felt like it just completely distracted her. So it actually is not necessarily what we want. You know what I mean? Like going back to like, what am I selling? What do I want? It is a great play if you are trying to build more reach because more reach equals more conversion rates and more conversion rates is what we want. But you can also treat things very differently. Like let's say you're going to put out a carousel post. To me, carousel posts are guides. They're educational. They're those things that people come back to and they want to refer to again. They're savable. They're shareable. 
that is a very different type of content than what you're going to put on a trending reel. We can totally use reels edu- like for educational purposes. But I think it really is actually a sigh of relief when we are looking at our analytics, because now we're not like just judging off of random numbers and not knowing what those numbers mean, right? Like when I go on, I went on yesterday and I'm looking and I can see the post that got the biggest reach. It's a post. It doesn't anywhere compare to my reel that got the biggest reach, but why would I compare those two? That's not relevant. I want to look at that post and go, huh, that's so interesting. Why did that get to the biggest reach? And you know what? That didn't have very many likes. It actually had probably one of the least amount of likes Mm. and it had probably the least amount of comments, but it reached the most amount of people. And I had three people DM me about that one post saying about, wow, that really got me thinking differently. And this is what happened. I'm not even kidding. Like, so that's why (laughs) reading data can be very interesting and we can't get our ego get in the way of all that type of stuff. Oh, I just want to get a trending reel because like everybody's trending. It's like, wait, pause. What are you selling? Why are you doing it? Do you want to go viral? Is that matter? Like what's the intention here? Um, Does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking like your Instagram is so attractive to look at. You've obviously got your colors there. You, you have a real, what seems to be like a real theme going on. So even though you're thinking about, you know, engagement and reach and and all of that, how important is that kind of aesthetic? I do think that it's important. Well, gosh, you know, I love pretty things. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like some people really value that stuff. I am a perfectionist in that way. I like things looking pretty. I know tons of people where they are going bananas and they don't have pretty feeds, but I will say, again, distinct thing specifically with Instagram and TikTok too, actually, it's a big one. There is a difference between being an influencer and being a business owner. Mm. Influencers can, an influencer could be just, you know, a YouTube creator. It doesn't have to be like whatever we think an influencer is. It can mean a lot of things. They can kind of get away with like whatever they want, basically. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can like get away with a lot of things because they've got such huge fan following. Like people love them till do or die. Like they love them so much, but business owners, we're treating it differently, right? We're make we are literally curating with intention, how people feel when they interact with our business. And we want them to feel a certain way right away. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, it's, I'm not going to sit here and be like, spend hours on Canva. Although I will say when you just plug in your five colors, it is the easiest thing ever. I mean, it looked, my Instagram may look very beautiful, but it doesn't take that much time. Everything's templated. I only post once, maybe twice a week, you know? Mm -hmm. So it is actually pretty easy to do, but I won't say like go and, you know, become a brand designer or anything. I don't think we need to go nuts with it. It's pretty much a, it's, I think it's an intuitive thing, an intuitive Mm -hmm. decision. Yeah. I bloody love Canva as well. Right? I, I really like it. What would we ever do without Canva? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> With voice teachers, when we first start out, we, we're never going to know everything ever anyway. And even more so maybe when you're starting out and you think, oh, I can't do it yet because I don't know everything. And we might be marketing ourselves as anyone, everyone. But when we have maybe understood who we want to teach, how easy is it for us to rebrand and implement a niche that wasn't there to start with? Mm, That's a great question. 
How easy is it to rebrand? Well, gosh, I mean, everyone, it, it totally depends, right? It depends on where you're at and your, your knowledge with online, but like, it's, I can't give like a straight answer, but I will say that something that will help with that transition is playing around with word copy. Um, I think that actually is probably the most challenging part of articulating these things that you have recognized in yourself, who you are, who you teach, all the discoveries that you're making, being able to actually put it into words that market and sell, that is like something that takes practice. Mm. But you know what? Actually, it's so fun. I'm really glad we're having this conversation because part of me, like I think a lot of us, we sort of uh, come to conclusions as we're saying things out loud. As we're talking about this, I'm kind of realizing that rebranding is actually really easy. It's the continual practice of making it better. That's the commitment. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because like you can go in and God, you could do it today. I could do it for you today. We could do it in a half hour. We could literally sit down and be like, here are your five colors. Here's your three fonts. Okay, great. Now you have a brand. Like that's step one. Because once you have that, it's like easy peasy to plug it in everywhere. And then of course we have the content component, the content strategy. Okay, well, let's make some content pillars. And then we know exactly kind of, you know, what your values are. We already talked about that. So that's going to help us create content and pillars. We kind of already know the results that you help your students with. That's going to help us create content pillars. So it really is like once you know that hard stuff that we talked about in the beginning, the rebrand, the actual physical like rebranding is easy. It's mm-hmm. so easy. Now the job as the business owner is to continue to make it better. And this is what you do with your word copy, your captions, your emails, your taglines, anything that has words you're going to be going in there and editing that thing all the time. <laughs> and you're always going to improving it, be improving it. So that's really actually what the process is. Mm. Yeah. If you know who you are as a teacher, you've created your brand, you know where you're communicating your niche, you're putting out good content that's getting good engagement, but you aren't seeing an increase in conversion rates or interest in taking lessons. Where would you say we should look to? Mm, Yeah, there would be a few different reasons. So the first thing is to figure out why you're not getting conversion rates and what type of conversion rates you are not getting. Um, So, you know, this is kind of going back to data, but really like simple measurements can kind of help you determine why things aren't working. So for example, let's say you have a freebie and your freebie leads people to your your paid offer. They're aligned somehow, right? They're connected. And you notice that people are converting into signing up for your email list and they are they're downloading that freebie and you talk about your paid offer and your freebie like, "Whoa, like you're pitching it, but no one's buying your paid offer." So we go, "Okay, that's a freebie issue," right? So now we dissect it. We go, all right, something's not right with that freebie. Let's let's tweak it. Let's figure out how we can captivate them. Or maybe it's not even the freebie. Maybe we notice that the emails in between the freebie and the paid offer, now there's a drop-off rate. People aren't clicking. They're not opening them. Okay, it's an email issue. Now let's look at the emails, right? So mm-hmm. that's why it's like, we kind of first got to figure out what the actual issue is. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. In terms of actually getting more eyeballs, because I think that was kind of a subtle part of your question, (laughs) is like, how do we actually get it in front of more people? Mm -hmm. That is where you get to get creative. Who shares your audience? Who, where else does your audience hang out? You know, like where are they congregating together and how can you get in front of them? 
Um, this could be high school in-person workshops. I did that for a long time when I was trying to get new students. I was like, bring me in front of your high school choir and I'll shape them up. And then, you know, we did that whole thing. Maybe it's you are a guest for a drama department. Maybe it's that you are connected to a dance studio that's local and they do productions with, you know, singers for their musicals. I don't know, right? That's what's so fun is we get to put on our investigator hat and go, where do these people hang out? And how can I get in front of them? Mm. The best way to do this is to get in front of a lot of them at one time, congregations, pools, right? Thinking where do they all hang out? Not just where does one of them hang out? Where do they all hang out? And how can I deliver something incredible to them that relates them back to my brand and my business and my offer and all of that type of stuff? Mm, Great. I'll be the person (laughs) hanging outside the nearest Starbucks going, oi, (laughs) I have some some singing lessons if you want to buy them. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You should be singing too. Yeah. <laughs> you offer a one-to-one business coaching program. So what does that actually entail? What do people get when they work with you? Yeah, I have a couple of different offers. Um, the first one's actually a program. And this one is like my favorite. It's my biggest pride and joy ever. It's the Voicepreneur program. And there are about, I think there's over 50 of us now. There are voice teachers all over the world. We get together every other Thursday morning. We talk about our businesses. We I answer all their questions. But specifically, you are working through a very step-by-step Um, four-month, 16-week program that teaches you from start to finish how to basically do a lot of what we're doing, build your brand and create an offer that is not private lessons that you can sell and automate and you can have sustainability in other ways beyond private lessons. So that's what the program does. And then if we wanted to do a one-on-one container, I do basically what voice lessons are. We do like, we check in with each other every other week. We do a business coaching session. Um, I'm on Voxer. I don't know if you know that app. Have you ever heard of Voxer? Yes, I've just used it. Yeah. I love Voxer. Yeah. I feel like more voice teachers need to hop on this. It's so good. Um, And talk with people that way. And then I'll also outsource. So if people, uh, my clients, you know, they want like uh, editing on their website or a rebrand or email copy looked at or anything, the funnel setup, all of the stuff people hate doing, Mm -hmm. I know how to do. (laughs) And I actually really enjoy doing so we can outsource tasks as well. Or we can do a four hour intensive. So if you have a project idea and you're like, I want to do a website rebrand or I want to make this paid offer. I want, you have an idea, you know exactly what you want to do. We will sit together on Zoom for four hours. We'll have lunch. It'll be great. And we will make it happen. We'll screen share and I'll help you every step of the way to set it all up so that you have your goal completed. And uh, and then we do drop-ins as well. So if you ever just want to hop in for a little sesh, we can do that. <laughs> great, amazing. Yeah. And what other resources, you mentioned a book earlier on, um, what other resources do you think would be useful for voice teachers to look into when it comes to this side of things? Mm, well, it depends on where you're at, but I think if you are getting started or if you want to continue growing your current private studio and get new clients, 
go and check out Andrea Miller. She has an amazing podcast. It's called Music Studio Startup. I believe that's still the same name of it. Um, there's a lot of resources out, out there actually who help teachers get new students. And I used to be one of them. So um, very easy to find. There's a ton of them. I just know of her at the top of my head. And then it, um, for like, you know, great podcasts, I mentioned Donald Miller with StoryBrand. He has a podcast that's called Building a Business. And he talks a lot about story branding. And it's very fun to apply it to your own teaching business. So check that out as well. Amazing. Yeah. It's been so lovely to spend some time with you, Ali. So where can our listeners find out more about you and get in touch? Awesome. Yeah, you can check me out on Instagram at The Voicepreneur. I actually do not have a website currently. I actually have a podcast episode as to why I don't have a website and why you don't need a website. <laughs> but um, so I don't have a website yet. But eventually, maybe if you're listening to this in a few months, you will see thevoicepreneur.com. Um, but go check me out on Instagram and then click on the link in my bio and you'll see all the links and we can connect over there. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and one last question. Can I please come and live with you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, on the other side of this wall is our Airbnb. So we actually do have a full apartment you can stay at with a hot tub and beautiful views and the wildlife. So yes, please. <laughs> oh, I'm looking in. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alexa. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. some thoughts about this episode or maybe there's a topic you'd like us to discuss or a guest you'd like us to feature why not head over to social media and tell us all about it we're at bass training on instagram and forward slash bass training on facebook that's b-a-s-t training we'd love to hear from you you can drop us a message at any time see you over there